0: Restore us and heal us and I pray that this morning that'll happen that you'll give us a fresh vision of who you are and a fresh experience and taste of your healing and your love and your power and we ask this in your name Lord Amen so I hope you enjoyed I'm just gonna make a bit of space here Um, uh, that song had a very powerful impact on me in the late 80s. I'd become a follower of Jesus in Cape Town and uh, lots of trauma going on in the city, in the country, in my family. And uh, in all of that, coming to understand and experience Jesus as a healer was life-changing. And that song captured it. It was Michael Card writing the song imagining himself as just someone in a village. Uh, and jesus comes in and i was thinking about it this week as i thought about this Thought, what would it be like here in Roselle? imagine if you're sitting down on you know a cafe and what if jesus walked in walked down darling street what would that be like eh? imagine if he came and knocked on your door and said i just want to come hang out with you what would it be like i think it'd be pretty wonderful i think it could be a little weird But wouldn't it be wonderful? I mean, to have someone who could just walk in and heal you. Now, of course, you may not need healing, everything may be completely perfect in your life no brokenness, no stress, no damage, no physical ailments. No relational struggles, and and if that's you, that's just awesome. And please leave and go find another church because you make the rest of us feel inadequate. Because <laughs> you know we all need it, right? We're all broken. And imagine if Jesus showed up. Imagine if Jesus showed up. Well, um, he turns up in this synagogue in Capernaum, and you know I just. It's, it's it's important to realise when we go through these gospel stories, this actually happened. This is history. Here's a little map. I don't know if you like geography, but it'll show you that uh, that Capernaum became Jesus' sort of second home. He was born um, down in Bethlehem, grew up in Nazareth, and then he and his buddies walked up to the Sea of Galilee. She walked up. Would be going. Let me just get the orientation going that way, up to the Sea of Galilee. And the Sea of Galilee was very fertile. It was a beautiful area, very uh, on a trade route, Um, lots of people, lots of beauty. And uh, this is Capernaum. This is where Capernaum was. You can go to Israel today and you can see it. You can actually go to a synagogue, uh, go to the ruins uh, of an old synagogue, and you can see how small the place is, how close it was. Um, It actually happened. I think and that's important, important point to make because sometimes we can read the Bible like sort of mythological literature. It's a bit like the Lord of the Rings. We sort of, it's full of great ideas, but, but actually, no, it really happened. You can actually go to Capernaum and you can wander around and you can go, this is actually where Jesus would have said and done this kind of stuff. It's pretty amazing. And it's, it's a very important claim to make about Christianity that, it's, that it actually happened. It's not just an idea, it actually happened. And, and so maybe you go, okay, Mark, I can get you, maybe it, it did actually happen. But there's a more important, um, a more important question when you, when you listen to this. Well, does this kind of stuff happen today? So demons, healings, really? Um, you know, like Jesus walks, shows up in Capernaum and, uh, and everyone who's sick comes to him and he just heals them. He touches them, he says the word, they get healed. And then there are demons popping out of people left, right, and center, and Jesus is talking to them, and they're talking to him, and, uh, really? Surely this is just the musings of a people group in a primitive, pre-scientific, pre-enlightenment culture. They're naive, not like us. We're much, much more sophisticated. We realize now that, you know, these people weren't demon-possessed, they just had epilepsy or having psychotic breakdowns, and, uh, And really, you know, they didn't have antibiotics, and so that's why he had to heal. But it was all just sort of, um, you know, the placebo effect, psychosomatic, faith healers who were not, you know, surely that's what happened. We know that stuff doesn't happen today. Isn't that right? Okay, so here's the question. I'll put you on a spectrum. Imagine you have to show over here uh, on on a scale of one to ten. One is uh, yeah, man, that stuff, don't even know if it really happened back then, but maybe it did, but really it doesn't happen today anymore at all. Like, this sort of, that, that sort of weird stuff does not happen at all. Like, that's just nonsense. Uh, and 10 is, uh, give me half a moment and I'll cast a demon out of you right now, Mark, because I can see it manifesting and it's just there, Right? Okay, ten is uh, man. If you you know you, I, I can heal you on the spot, no matter what you've got. Healings happen all the time, everywhere. Okay, and demons are everywhere, and this is real for us right now. Get the get the continuum. Okay, where do you reckon? Not 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 where do you think you should say you are because you're a good Christian, who's you know, but where do you actually think we are now? So let's have. A little fun with this. So you get the spectrum? Okay, so who thinks we're really at a one? Like this stuff? Nah. Can't happen at all. Okay. Two, three, four. Five, I see those hands. So you're just the guys who are cowards. You don't know. You're just like, I'm going safe in the middle. Okay, yeah, maybe, maybe not. On the one hand, on the other hand. Yeah, I get it. That's fine. Okay, five, six, seven, eight. I see Ah. Oh, Ten. Yeah, okay, bring it on. Now, one way we can change, we, we do this, is we say to ourselves... Oh, yeah it doesn't happen here but this stuff still happens over in India like you go to India and you will go Prow! you go to Africa Prow! it's there right so what about Roselle <sighs> what about you and me is Jesus and it's a really important question to think about is Jesus still a gentle healer who has authority and power over sickness and illness and the demonic today And if he is, where is he in my life? Where is he in your life? And if he is, where is he in the cancer wards and the hospices? Where is he? And that's a good question, isn't it? And, um, uh, you know, the beauty with this morning is I'm going to solve all those questions for you, uh, and uh, it's going to be just sorted out once and for all. Not really. So what I would say, and maybe this is me, it's a nuanced yes. There's a nuance. Is Jesus doing this work today? Yes. And yes, but no, and yes. I think he is. Um, But I think Jesus works within cultures. And so here's what I think. I think, uh, this is C.S. Lewis in his book, The Screwtape Letters, which is a lovely, it's worth reading if you're a little skeptical about the whole demons thing, which many of us are, and I get it if you are. Uh, C.S. Lewis makes the very obvious point that if there is, if Satan exists and demons exist, um, and their job in the world is to bring chaos and undo God's good work, then then surely a very, very effective strategy of st- Satan and these demons, would be to convince all of us that they don't exist. And so I think that that is what has happened. I think we have largely, over the last 200 years, uh, developed a way of understanding the world that really only values the material, what we can see, taste, touch, feel, and smell, right? That's what's really real. And that worldview and that appreciation of just dealing with the world as it is it's really important. It's, it's, led to, it's led to our whole scientific worldview. It's led to the development of antibiotics. We treat, we treat diseases with medicines now instead of just automatically assuming it's spirits because we've studied disease process in people, right? That's a good thing. It's a really good thing. Um, we understand cause and effect in a way that, that other people didn't. We don't always have to invoke uh, unseen causes to explain visible effects. We can think a lot more about that. Um, but I think what has happened in the doing of that is we've really thrown the baby out with the bathwater, and so a scientific worldview has become what some writers call scientism, or a worldview that values the material, cause and effect, nature of the world that has opened up for us so much good stuff, becomes a A totalizing worldview that you might call materialism that says the material is all there is science is the only explanatory hypothesis for all there is nothing else really exists that's the number one all this stuff doesn't exist now now we we believe that um, I think because we've seen the power of it but I think our culture has believed that worldview because it very very neatly Uh, gets us out of having to grapple with God. Because we are the gods, we're the only ones. And I I think what we need to understand in the history of ideas, our scientific materialist worldview was not driven by just a desire to understand the world, it was also driven by a desire to get rid of authorities like kings and princes and priests and popes and God. The famous cry of the French Revolution will only be truly free when um, you know the last king, uh, the last nobleman, has been strangled with the guts of the last bishop. You know that's when real freedom comes, where all authority is removed from us. And so, so actually, that scientific worldview then, goes very helpfully, evacuates the world of God. So don't, we don't need to think of there may be a God, but he's really not involved in the world now, and we believe that. And I think so. I think there's a. There's an intellectual and a cultural move, and I think there's actually a deceptive mood spiritually. I think Satan has blinded us very effectively using these processes. Um, and then I think what that can often mean is that we're um, rightly as well a little skeptical about people who prey on others' vulnerabilities to make money out of this sort of stuff and exercise power out of, out of this sort of stuff, don't we? Um, I mean, one of my favorite movies, I'm, have any of you seen the movie Leap of Faith, Steve Martin? Oh, really? Oh, goodness me. Okay, I don't know whether I should recommend it or not. Really, no one here apart from me has seen the movie Leap of Faith with Steve Martin. Are you serious? John Mack, have you seen it? Yeah, you've seen it. I thought you'd... At least someone has to have seen it. Um, Religion is full of charlatans. People take good things and use them to do really, really bad things. And healing and demons and freedom and religion have been used by charlatans throughout history. Right back in the New Testament, read the book of Acts, you'll see... uh, Uh, charlatans, magicians, sorcerers trying to then use Christianity, the power of Jesus' name, to make money. Okay, So we get skeptical and cynical, and that's all fine. What I want to suggest, the nuanced yes, is this movement. There's perhaps a movement from a naive... Thanks, Liz. (laughs) Cast out that demon of death technology that's not working um there's a movement there's a naive worldview every demons everywhere just naively believe all of this stuff and then we get a little cynical don't we you start to see through it but i think there's a place we get to the nuanced yes is a post cynical embrace of a truly christian worldview so you're post cynical you've come through it you've you've had your time of going it's all a load of bs and it doesn't work and it's all manipulative god's not really involved but you know what the place of spiritual maturity is you come through the other side and you go no there is a god and sure people misrepresent god misuse god sure doesn't god doesn't show up here and now in a way that i want him to to heal me when i want him to but that god still does that stuff and god is still the same yesterday today and forever and jesus still shows up as he did then. So that's the journey, and I don't know where you are. Sometimes, you know, I'm not sure in this group, there's many of us in the pre-cynical, just-believe-everything mode. I suspect many of us, particularly in the inner parts of Sydney, get stuck in the cynical part. But I want to encourage each of us, including myself, to say let's let's move to a post-cynical embrace of of the God who really is here. Because what we see in the story of Mark's Gospel is just a wonderful incredible, compelling, beautiful picture of God showing up. And we see Jesus showing up with authority. And that's also why we don't like Jesus, because we have such ambivalent relationships with authority. But he shows up as one, and this is what his, his deci- the, the, the people say, you know, they're amazed um, they are amazed in verse 22 they went to capernaum and the sabbath came jesus went to the synagogue and began to teach and the people were amazed at his teaching because he taught as one who had authority there was something when people looked at jesus and they heard jesus they went this is someone who actually understands in a way that no one else ever does how the world works and has the ability to to make stuff happen in the world. I mean, that's what authority is, right? You go, I say something and it happens. And they recognize that in Jesus and they're amazed. They're astounded. They're astounded that he has an authoritative teaching. So I think part of the, the move to a post-cynical understanding of God is to is to stop and say, Mwah. as O said last week in his excellent sermon, Maybe Jesus knows something about the world that I don't know. <laughs> How's that for a thought? No, it's not possible anyone could know more about the world than me. Certainly not some old peasant from 2,000 years ago. Or know more about the world than my culture. Well, no, no. Let's. Maybe that's the starting point. Maybe Jesus knows something about the world that our sophisticated scientific materialist culture doesn't know. I find it interesting, and you you may agree with me or not on this point. Actually, what I've observed over the last 20 years is that even our culture, with its firm foundation on science and rationality, that's coming apart, isn't it? Because we realize it doesn't work. So you actually see... Uh, people believing all kinds of weird and wacky stuff. I'm, I'm sure you never have see anything on Facebook or uh, online where, you know, the healing power of crystals. I'll just, I could, I could have a rant for the next half an hour on this stuff. And I go, well, you know, you take a bit of rock and you put it here, and it's going to heal you. And you go, wow, amazing, hey, oh. and and you just multiply that stuff over and over again. This kind of anti-scientific weirdness so (laughs) I think if you're gonna listen to like Gwyneth Paltrow tell you that if you buy stuff from her online store it's gonna heal you I go well maybe maybe we should just it's not so crazy to stop and think Jesus knows a bit more about life than me after all he's changed the shape of human history for 2,000 years like for 2,000 years, people have listened to Jesus' teaching and been amazed at his authority. So that's a good thing, right? Like maybe we can do that. Um, Jesus has authority, uh, and his authority extends not just to his teaching, but over spiritual beings. Um, now, now, friends, that's really good news because um, there's just a lot of evil in the world. Isn't there? There's just a lot of evil. And I <laughs> I find that, you know, I can explain a lot of the inhumanity, the way we treat each other. I can explain a lot of that by psychoanalysis and you 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 know, deficiencies of love and inadequate attachment with your parents and poor choices and all the rest of it. But you know, human explanations for evil get me to get me kind of to hear. But you know, then there's this capacity of humans to be genuinely evil that that takes, that, that there's a gap here that just human causes don't seem to account for. And I think that's that's where Satan has a field there. That's where evil spirits and demons are at work to wreak havoc on human beings. I, you can't explain the, the ubiquity and the sheer evilness of evil in the world and humankind's utter inhumanity to each other, the complete lack of empathy, the whole-scale slaughter that we inflict on each other. You go, I think that's a, there's a spiritual dimension to that. It's everywhere. And so it's great news that there's someone who has authority over the demons and Satan who will actually sow such chaos and evil in the world. That's what we see in Jesus. He walks in and the demons listen to him. Okay, now. Um, We could ask for a show of hands. I don't know if that would be helpful. Um, I've spoken to demons. I've cast out demons. I've encountered them. I've had them cast out of myself. I absolutely know they're real. There is no doubt in my mind that the spiritual and evil spiritual world is real. And, and if we claim that Jesus is real, then we also have to understand and admit that part of our confession of trust in Jesus is a confession that actually the world of demons is real and the world of spiritual malevolence, personal spiritual evil is real. We need to be aware of that, not scared of it. It's good news that Jesus has authority over these beings. And it gives us hope. It gives us hope, right? They're not going to have the last word. Now it's easy in a place like Australia to, to not feel the force of that, but you know, you go to India and you see the utter inhumanity of people towards other people the degradation that we inflict on others and you go that comes straight out of the pit of hell why you see uh, uh, yeah now we sometimes the other way to think about it is uh, in all why do we all struggle to get along with each other why do our relationships struggle? So uh, at least, quick show of hands. How many of you um, have never had any seemingly unexplained difficulty in a close relationship you've been in? And you know, you're, you're traveling along in your marriage, and it's all good, but then you find yourself in a fight and you go, "How did we end up doing that? <laughs> How did we end up there?" Or in your parenting or your school or your workplace or your church, if you've never had any conflict where you've ended up hurting each other, and you scratch your head and you go, "How did we end up there?" just raise your hand if you've never had that (laughs) yeah we've all had that experience right where you go i'll tell you how i think of it i think we as human beings in our own choices and sin we provide the kindling and satan provides the fire lighter and the petrol that he throws onto it so we we bring our stuff to the party but then man he just shoves on a whole bunch of stuff and so so jesus says i've got authority over these things So you don't have to be afraid. You can be free of them. And he also has authority, which I find very interesting over sickness. And, um... This is the one I, to be honest, and hey, let's all be honest, um, this is the one I sometimes struggle with the most. Uh, Like, does God still heal today? And, um... And if you're, not, if you're someone who's a little skeptical about faith, uh, you could do what many atheists, uh, the new atheists, or people in, in arguments with people like me would do, and say, well, if, if Christianity is true, why don't you just walk down to the RPA and walk through all the hospital wards and just heal people right now? Why don't you do that? And I'm like, oh, actually, I think the security guards would remove me pretty quickly. That's one reason. But that's a good question, isn't it? A really good question. Does God still heal today? Um, we all, I suspect, looking around this room, know we've lost people we love to um, disease. Uh, if There's a fellow uh, in the 80s called John Wimber, who started a movement called the Vineyard Movement. He brought in a bunch of charismatic kind of spiritual renewal to the mainline churches, uh, incredible ministry. He wrote a book on power evangelism and power healing. He brought the ministry of healing back into the church, which is amazing. And at the very top of his game, at his greatest global influence, guess what happened to John Wimber? He got cancer and died. <laughs> I shouldn't laugh. Um, you go, but that's what happens, right? That's what happens. So, so where's God in that? Um, but this I know: that actually, when people pray, God does heal people today. It does happen. But this I also know: that everybody who gets healed of one illness or ailment now. Still ends up dead eventually. Like that's also true. So what the Bible says is God heals. God, I believe. God, if we look at Je- every person Jesus healed in this story, ended up dead, right? Like none of them are walking around today, going in, like I've been to Capernaum. None of them are there, going, "Man, two thousand years ago, this dude Jesus came and uh, and I had leprosy and he healed me. And I'm still alive." Um, that would be weird, right? Because Christianity says there is a great healing coming, but the only way to that great healing is through dying and rising again. So the ultimate healing in in Jesus' own story, and we'll see that as Mark's gospel goes on, the only ultimate healing is on the other side of the grave, and we see that in Jesus' own life. He didn't get himself down off the cross. You see, the logic that says God must heal today, otherwise he doesn't exist, is the same logic that would say to Jesus, Jesus, you're suffering on the cross, you get yourself down off the cross, otherwise God doesn't love you and you're not who you said you were. And when people said that to Jesus, what was his response? It was to hang there and die. To refuse the healing now, why? So that by his dying and rising, he could bring an ultimate healing to everybody. So, yep, God sometimes heals now, for sure. But the promise is he'll bring an ultimate healing on the other side of death and resurrection. That's the claim. And any healing we get this side of that is really just a—it's to whet our appetites for that that's what it is his authority over sickness and what we see in mark's gospel is uh, and it's starting to emerge here is this movement that really shapes the whole story of the bible that the world was created in a place of order garden of eden was a good spot god was ruling he was in charge we were running the world with him then we mucked it up and we threw the world into chaos entropy rules everything's winding down everything's being pulled apart and what jesus starts to do when he shows up is he starts to reorder the world to push back the forces of chaos to undo the spiritual forces that are tearing apart the world to undo the disease processes that kill us all and ultimately to heal uh, uh, to heal us as we learn from him how to live in this world so jesus is bringing order out of chaos that killed the order and that's incredibly good news but it does raise a question if we read mark's gospel there's this interesting thing here right the question is this um, uh, how to scale jesus ministry in time and space so if jesus is the one who casts out demons heals people teaches authoritatively how do you how do you make that available to lots and lots and lots of other people it's like if you're a doctor you can only heal the number of people that you can actually be in you know physical contact with when you're on the tools as it were so what's jesus plan and that's really important because you can imagine imagine if you had the power to just walk through the hospital ward and heal everyone You could just spend every waking moment just doing that. And you still would only just be scratching the surface of the depth of human need. So, what does Jesus do? Because he's aware of this. Oh, sorry, this is. uh... Well, the crowds, everybody's coming to Jesus. He's just healed um, (laughs) Simon's mother in law. I'm sure Simon was very grateful. and uh, he's driven out demons uh everyone's coming from around the countryside and very early in the morning while it was still dark jesus gets up he leaves the house he sneaks off to a solitary place where he prays he's talking to his father and you can imagine the conversation he's going you know father um i'm just overwhelmed like there's so much need in this world what how am i to do what am i to do next Um, tell me, what's your plan? Simon and his companions went to look for him, and when they found him, they exclaimed, everyone's looking for you. And you can imagine, like, just everyone from all around Galilee is coming to Capernaum. And Jesus says, let's go somewhere else, to the nearby villages, so that I can heal and cast out demons there also. Is that what he says? What does he say? so I can let's pretend that's not a rhetorical question, so that I can preach there also. that is why I've come let me let me tell you what this is not saying. this is not saying that all that really matters is a rector standing up doing a long, boring 30-minute or 40-minute three-point exegesis of the Bible. That's the only way God works. That's all there is to ministry, and all this prayer and healing and and exorcism, all of that stuff isn't important today. All that matters is is the preacher. It's not what he's saying. I've heard it preached like that. It's a craziness. It's not at all what he's saying. But he's grappling rather with a far deeper point, which is, how do I scale up this ministry so that everyone in the whole world can have the opportunity to be healed in the kingdom of God and to be set free from demonic possession in the kingdom of God and have hope of an eternity of ultimate restoration of all things? How am I going to do that, Jesus says, and he says, this is the plan. The plan is that I go around and I tell people and what do I tell them it's what we talked about 2 weeks ago and if if you weren't here listen to the talk from 2 weeks ago the sermon on the kingdom of god is here. So Jesus says, "You know what? The I've brought the kingdom of god in. But you don't need to touch me physically because the kingdom of god is a spiritual reality and the good news is Jesus says, I'm bringing it for all people everywhere so you don't have to touch me. You've just got to Trust me and you can enter into and have all these blessings for yourself now. And and what? because he knows what's ultimately going to happen is the Holy Spirit is going to come and the Holy Spirit is is, uh, one of the three persons of the Godhead and the Holy Spirit, unembodied, pure spiritual power is going to make available through the kingdom of God as people are told about it all the blessings that Jesus brought in his physical embodied state. Okay, does that make sense? That was a long sentence, wasn't it? <laughs> I, just, I felt like I was a Puritan writing in the 16th century or a German with like, you know, 25 different clauses before I even get to the point. Uh, this is what I mean. Let me break it down really simply. Uh, Jesus says, I'm going to tell people, and that includes you and me, that you can... Connect with God and enter his kingdom simply by trusting me and asking to get in. And when you ask to come into the kingdom of God, what you'll do is you'll experience all the fullness and the power of God. Not wrapped up in a body, not wrapped up in the person of Jesus, but made universally accessible through the Spirit. And the Spirit is not located in any particular time and place. That's the beauty of not having a body. The Holy Spirit is everywhere. And Jesus says, so therefore my goal is to go and tell people this incredible news. Hey guys, you want healing? Turn to God and you can be healed. You want freedom from demonic possession? Turn to God. You can have that. You can enter the kingdom of God. You can come in and have everything that I'm offering one-on-one It can be yours now because the Holy Spirit is now amongst you. Now that that gets unpacked. That's the whole of the rest of the New Testament unpacking what that looks like. But that's Jesus' plan to scale it up, right? To make it available uh, throughout time and throughout space, which is quite extraordinary. This is unbelievably good news because let me do a quick check. How many of you have had a physical encounter with the physical Jesus? Can I see a show of hands? No. So Jesus' ministry in Capernaum of bringing healing and freedom, connection with God, has now actually been extended over 2,000 years to the ends of the earth to here in Sydney. So that we can experience it with the same immediacy and power as if Jesus were here walking amongst us. Because he's here by his spirit and preaching, communicating, telling people about that is what gives them the opportunity to experience it and come in. And it's amazing, right? It's that like God is here. God is with us. We don't... Yeah. It's ours now. Hmm. <laughs> Is is it yours now? It's ours now. We, We are healed now. We are saved now. We are restored now. We are set free from demonic possession now. Not by the physical touch of Jesus' hands, but by the release of all of the healing and restoring energy and power of God. You see, what happened on the cross, think about it, this, this, here's the other way to think about it, right? Um, the kingdom has become available, uh, and the way the healing, restoring power of God is released in this world is that it, it, it all, it's all manifest and wrapped up. So imagine en- God as energy. All the energy of the universe, all the energy of the infinite God is wrapped up and contained in Jesus. Okay? Everything that's good and right, everything he spoke and the whole world came into being, all of that. And what happens when Jesus dies? Well, all that life energy of the Godhead is given up and actually made available and in his death released and made accessible for you and I. So we aren't full of energy. We're we're falling apart jesus has perfect energy and he dies and in his death on our behalf he takes all our chaos and our entropy and our decay and in exchange he releases into the universe all of his divine healing energy that's how it works and then he rises again and he pours out his holy spirit he says that's how it's going to be made available now in the person of his spirit it's good news for us. It's good news for us. This is it good news like do you know that in your heart? Is, is, is God your healer, your hope, your wholeness? How how open are you and I to this divine energy, to this power of God to free us, release us and heal us? And here's the thing that we'll see, and we started to see it last week. It's not just that the ministry of Jesus comes directly through the Holy Spirit. It still comes with skin on. But this energy is now released in the world, not through the embodiment of Jesus as a person. How does the divine healing energy come into the world with skin on today? Well, your skin... Like, we're the gentle healers. We've been healed. We've encountered God. And his energy is now actually wrapped up in you. Wrapped up in me. Wrapped up in us. So we're the ones to pray for people and see them healed. And bless them and love them in that way. We're the ones to cast out demons and bring spiritual freedom for people. We're the ones to to work with IJM in India to see people rescued out of the ultimate chaos and bondage and just sheer evil of slavery. Like, that's it. And who are the gentle healers in India? Well, it's, it's, it's the, the workers with IJM. <laughs> who are the hands and feet of Jesus today? Well, it's us. Isn't it? It's our job. The gentle healer came into our lives and changed us and now says to you, Go be a gentle healer yourself. Go and have coffee and bring the kingdom of God into Roselle. Go to work tomorrow and, and bring the kingdom of God into your workplace. Be the gentle healer who sets people free at work tomorrow. I mean I, and I, you ask me, how will that happen, Mark and I'll say, I don't know. It'll happen in as many different ways as there are different workplaces. and it'll happen as you pray for the people you interact with. It happens as you live differently. It'll happen as you forgive those who sin against you in your workplace. It'll happen as you believe the best in them. It'll happen as, as you don't gossip. It'll, as, it'll happen as you, as you model a life that is genuinely free and living for love. Do you see that? Do you, have you felt deeply in your heart that calling to be a gentle healer in the world with Jesus? In your home, in your classroom, in your business. That's it. It's so wonderful. And that's our calling as a community. People to come and experience a taste of heaven with skin on amongst us. That's what we are, a taste of heaven with skin on. Let's pray. Our Lord and God, uh, we thank you for so very, very much for Jesus, uh, our healer. Our hope and I pray for each of us here that as we experience you deeply in our lives that in turn we will follow you into the world to be gentle healers uh, bringing the the love and the power and the authority and the forgiveness and the joy and the hope of heaven into our broken and divided world Start with us first, Lord. Start with our church, in our hearts and in our community. And then take us out and use us, Lord. Uh, And we ask this in your name. Amen. We're going to stand and sing together. And uh, while we sing this song, we'll take up a collection and then uh, we'll continue... uh, hanging out over morning tea, but Jono will dismiss you and instruct you at that point. If you're visiting with us, there's no obligation to give, Um, but you're welcome to if, if that's how God moves you, and let's stand and sing.